everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Greetings and salutations, all local and foreign members of the Senate. But Nick. What? I am the Senate. <laughs> oh my god. It's Liam then. <laughs> sure, yep. Uh, this, I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts, who apparently brings high quality content every episode. Oh yeah, great, great, great screenplay, great script writing. Oh, oh Jesus. Brilliant, so yep. good. Visionary, you might say. <laughs> Real scathing indictment of the, uh, of the human Iraq form. war. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, this is our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, though this episode we are we are discussing but not recapping JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <gasps> we don't have any episode to recap. No. Or any volumes of manga to say that the anime was based off of. So if this is your first episode... This is a weird time. Don't start here. <laughs> Go back and listen to the first episode because we're doing... A story here, and it seems weird to jump in part way. Yes. I mean, unless you've already watched all of the anime or all of the manga. If you've watched all the manga... Or skip to next week's episode, where we'll be starting the fourth part of the story, which is your favourite, supposedly. But is also, you know... A, a natural jumping on point. I thought you were going to say uh, is also the best objectively. So if you haven't listened before, we'll see you in 75 episodes or <laughs> next week in the future. Bye. So as I was saying, yep. we've just decided to put aside this episode, episode 75 of the podcast, mm-hmm. to discuss what has come before. And is then this, Is this even a numbered episode? Is this that special? Unclear. We'll decide oh, okay. when I'm editing. Okay. <laughs> High quality content brought to you from the bowels of Australia. The bowels. Man, the bowels of vampires, am I right? Little used, I would say. Hmm. Dio. Jojo. So we want to take a sort of loose discussion-based time to just sort of look back on the last three parts, compare and contrast, talk about what we liked, what we thought worked less well. Um, and then at the end of all this, I get to do my massive prediction on what Yeah, then, then we'll be. talk a bit more about what's ooh, to come. Yeah, and that's going to be... Ooh. So I suppose, given our track record with the rest of this show, <laughs> yep. natural jumping off point would be asking you, Nick Ballantyne, uh-huh. what you remember about parts one oh, and two. Fuck. Okay. Well, this is going to be interesting. So I remember part one, Jojo and Dio yep. were first introduced. So we had Jonathan Joestar, who was the young, upstanding, ye old citizen in 1880... Nine? Eight, I think. 1888. Uh, or was it... That, or is that when... I think that's when the post-youth stuff happens. Oh, fuck. So this would be like 1880 or something. So then it'd be like 1870, 1860-something for the first introduction. No, no? not 1860. Oh, oh okay. Because he's like 18. Well, shit. <laughs> anyway. So... It doesn't matter. Jonathan Joestar is a young, upstanding man. He's... Uh, so upstanding. He's like a nice guy. He's a good boy. He's a good oh, lad. He's He's off... Feeding his dog grapes, yeah, but sending unlike, it to an early grave. But unlike dogs, not all humans are good boys. Whoa, who's not? Dio. What's Dio's thing? Well, Dio Brando Dio apparently Brando. is the son of some other Brando. Dario. Dario Brando. Uh, and he's all like, you need to go find the Joestas who I tricked into thinking I'm a good guy, but I'm not a good guy. I'm an evil man. I'm old and dying by. And then he dies. Yeah, he dies. Uh, and then... Jonathan meets Dio for the first time when he dramatically jumps out of a cart. And Dio's all like, Dio. <laughs> yep, he's a Pokemon. Uh, and then he, I think he immediately proceeds to kick his dog. Yep. <laughs> which, 
I mean, you know, the perfect setting for a villain is just jump out of carriage, kick dog. Uh, <laughs> if only it was a jump kick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a scissor kick in soccer where he's like, just chuck the dog my yeah. And then he falls down and grabs his shin and rolls around. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so he kicks the dog and then Jonathan Joestar's dad is all like, Hey, what up? I'm George. Is he George? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm George. Jonathan's dad. Me, and, George Joestar. And, and I'm I'm the, the Georgiest of the Joesters. I'm the Joestar manor man. I, I have a manor. This is my manor. Welcome, Dio. Come and you're a good lad, aren't you? All right, let's accelerate a bit. And then, after a while, Jonathan and Dio grow up, and they're all like, yeah, we're buddies. We're not buddies at all. Uh, it's kind of like one of those scenes where you look into someone's eyes and you go, oh, man, we're so in love, and I will annihilate you. Yeah, you know, that, that old chestnut. Yeah. So then uh, Dio finds a stone mask hidden away somewhere that Jonathan has been studying for some reason. Because he's an archaeologist. He's an archaeologist, that's right. Which never really comes up. Ever again. Uh, so then... I think Dio puts on the stone mask and he's all like, I'm a vampire now! Yeah. Jonathan's dad. Because if you recall, he made a vampire out of a drunk guy. I was like, this vampire's going to kill me. But then the son killed the vampire. That's right. And he was like, now I know about vampires. Now I understand every tick. Uh, So then Dio tries to take over the world, more or less, by converting a whole bunch of people into zombies by drinking their blood. Including Jack the Ripper. And Uh, Tarkus and Bruford. Who, if you'll remember correctly, didn't rely on luck. They relied on pluck. Both, I think. Or both. I Yeah, it's been a long time. Dio teleported. A lot of Dark Souls stuff happens. A lot of Dark Souls weird shit. There was a guy named Zapelli uh, that taught Jonathan that he could heal himself such that he could lift up a rock. Yep. Which was mimetic to... Us. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if so it was good. to anyone else, but it was to us. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, yeah, the rock was not important. Move on. The rock is the, the key symbol signifying the... <laughs> that strength of heart and strength of arm that drives Jonathan Joestar. <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so then what? Okay, so then Jonathan was like, "We need to kill Dio because he's evil and bad, and I don't like." And I'm wearing a sweater vest and a bow tie and a backpack. <laughs> Look how fashionable I am because I'm a human. He's a vampire. He's not fashionable. He needs to die. So then he took uh, not Zapelli because he was dead at that point because he fought Big Man. Oh, don't forget all... Speedwagon exists. Speedwagon. Oh my god, we met Speedwagon in Ogre Street. And he was all like, look at my sick hat that never gets to be used ever again. Mm -hmm. Wow, you fought really well by not killing me. I'm going to team up with you. And Jonathan's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I've remarked this several times in the past, but he he becomes infatuated with Jonathan because Jonathan kicks him really hard, (laughs) but not as hard as he could have. It's the perfect plan. I've been playing Eyes of Heaven recently, Mm. uh, the PS4 uh, arena fighter game. Mm -hmm. And Speedwagon's a playable character in that. How? Um, How? Like, physically how? Well, he um, one of his abilities... I haven't unlocked all of his abilities in the story mode yet, but okay. the ones that I have involve throwing his hat, of course. Of course. And also he has, like, a summon where he can summon his two mates, uh, Tattoo and the other guy, to help from, him fight. From Ogre Street? Yeah. Oh, my God. You remember what, them? What the one shit? of them tried to cut off uh, Jonathan's fingers and he kicked him really hard. <laughs> and he then genius. the other one didn't really say or do anything. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, bro. That, not quite. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. So, anyway, then they kill Dio. So then they kill Dio. But then they don't. And he's all like, ha, Jojo, you thought you could kill me, but I'm actually just split in half. You thought I was dead, but it was me, Dio. What? Dio. So then Dio is all like, ha, laser eyes. And then he's all like, Jojo's all like, 
nah, no laser eyes. I'm just going to kill you with Hamon. And then he kills him with Hamon. And then his entire body, except for his head, oh. burns up. Oh. Dio's head flies off into the distance. And then uh, Jonathan Josai goes and gets married to Arena? Yeah. Arena, who was kissed by Dio. <gasps> I know, the first kiss stolen away by Scandal. Him. Yeah, but then it, it wasn't. But it's fine. Good. And yeah. she never doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Well, she brings up a few people. But that's, that's true. about it. And don't forget Poco. Oh. And Poco's sister. No, we can forget them. We can just forget them immediately. Just fucking hell. There's a lot of weird hum on shit that's happening in the background where they're all like, yeah. Yeah, leaves. Leaves and shit. No one cares about that. Zoom punch. You remember Z- Zoom oh, punch? fuck off with your overdrive Um, And then Dio shows up on a boat, explains how a boat works. <laughs> the, the, the mechanics of steam. <laughs> He's all like, don't you get it? If we stop it, then all the steam builds up. I was really tickled by that. (laughs) So, um, after explaining in great depth, my dad, how boats work, Jonathan's all like, nah, fuck you. I'm just going to sit here and hold you so you die. And then Dio's all like, fucking what? No, don't hold me here. I can't get out. He's like, yeah, I know. And now we die. So then yep. they just die there. Arena's all like, I found this coffin that Dio was in, I think. I'm not entirely sure, but it was a coffin. Hey, look at me. I'm sailing away in a coffin. How are people going to find The end. Me? Yeah. So boat goes on flames. Jonathan is dead. And Dio is dead. Supposedly. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Part two? Part two. We awaken in New York. It's 1956. Nope. It's 1928. Closer, but no. 1938? Yeah. Hey, it's 1938. 50 years after the events of last episode. Ooh. Who could live that long? Arena could. And Speedwagon. And Speedwagon. They're quite old now. We open through a fade pan. A a pan. We open through a Jamie Oliver certified pan. Stone on the wall with a whole bunch of masks on bodies that are also stone. For now. Sure. And Speedwagon's all like, my god, they're, they're more stone masks and stuff. They're not good. Bad. Bad stone masks. We're gonna... Gonna get them. Yep, we're gonna stop this from ever but getting out. then what? And then the Nazis show up. No. Oh. Because first... <laughs> um, we you, cut to... If you remember, um, there was a character in part one called Straitso, who was friends with oh, Dyer. fuck. That's right. And he was all like, I don't really say or do much in part one, but now I'm evil. <laughs> So this guy who can use Hamon because he's a monk, he's a monk, just goes, hey, fuck all y'all. I'm, I'm going to be a Hamon user and be more powerful than anyone. I'm going to kill everyone here. And Speedwagon's all like, oh, my God. And then he runs away. <laughs> yeah, sure. Just magically he runs away. Straight so it's all like, yeah, that's right. I have the power of the mask on my side now, bitches. We cut to New York. <laughs> yep. In New York, we meet a lovely young black boy by the name of... Smoky? Yep. Smoky. Smoky Brown. Smoky Brown. <laughs> yep. Oh, dear. Good God. <laughs> Smoky Brown, who's a charming young lad. He's a ruffian. He's a, a scuffy fellow. He's a street rat, but he's got a heart of gold. I don't buy that. Oh, okay. He's a little shit, but you know what? He has room to grow, okay? Don't don't you be judging him before he has room to grow, Liam. He meets Joseph Joestar. And Joseph Joestar is a dick. <laughs> yeah, he's... Awful. And he's an arrogant asshole <laughs> yep. who abuses two police officers in the name well, of... Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, okay. He basically breaks one of their noses and humiliates the other one 
in the name of a street criminal that he's like, you know what? I like you, kid. You got gusto. You got Come with moxie. me. You got moxie. All right, let's speed, speed along again. Uh, so then Joseph's all like, yo, Speedwagon, you're my man. How you going? And Speedwagon's all like, no, I'm not your man. This is the man you need to kill. I'm out of here. Speedwagon Foundation will be back later. Peace out. And Joseph's all like, what a weirdo. And who's, gonna... who's that man? Straight so. And ACDC and <laughs> This Carl is man. very off. <laughs> The, the man is uh, the, if I the could ultimate just, If I could being? just course correct for it briefly. Okay, sure. Um, Speedwagon was presumed dead and captured by the Nazis. Yep. Uh, Straight so shows up in New York and he fights Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph does that cool thing with the Tommy gun and the shot glasses. And next thing you'll say is, oh no, is that a grenade in your pocket? Yeah, you and the grenades. Me? Uh, then a mafia man is like, yeah, I heard that uh, the Nazis captured Speedwagon. And he's like, well, I'm going to go to Mexico and save Speedwagon. So he goes to Mexico in a plane. No. He doesn't go on a plane. He just goes he to Mexico. He rides a motorcycle. He gets into a fight with a guy who rides. That's who right. flies with a cloak. Yeah, yeah. And then he's all like, aha, well, this is a problem. There are Nazis around the place. I have the perfect plan. Put on women's clothing and pretend to be a lady. Yep. And seduce them. This plan did not work. Time to beat them into the ground. Yep. Takes so their clothes. And then impersonates. Tactical espionage action. Begins impersonating a Nazi. Whoa. And so by impersonating a Nazi, he gains clearance into the very bowels of this facility. This, this secret Nazi base underneath a German, a Mexican um, villa thing. Castle. Alpaca farm. Where he meets. Stretzo. Not Stretzo. No, he's Stroheim. Dead. He meets Stroheim. <laughs> Stroheim, the n- brilliant Nazi scientist. Who... Uh, not, a, not a scientist. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the brilliant Nazi soldier. I wouldn't describe him as brilliant either. Uh, the Nazi soldier... Who we have previously seen in cutaways, literally liquefying a Mexican village. <laughs> he's, yep, he's a Nazi man, and he's all like, yo, I want to weaponize this motherfucker. And then we look inside this giant, like, 50 meter drop cage made of metal, and there's a guy at the bottom. And they're all like, give him some blood. Gives him some blood, he drinks up the blood, he's all like, I call him Santana for death, because Santana means death in Nazi. No, but okay. And so then, clearly in canon, uh, Santana is all like, yo, I'm awake now, I'm not going to say a word though, because I'm awake, and I'm, I'm ominous and mysterious. I'm going to kill everyone here. He breaks all his bones to get through some vents, Yep. and they're all like, what? It's like he's a jellyfish, but he's a man. And then he comes in through another vent, and they're all like, oh my god, it's like that scene in Aliens. But, but he's not an alien, he's a man. But he's not a man because he just drank some blood and now he can turn to jail. Oh, shit. And then he kills everyone. And so after killing pretty much all the other Nazis, we're yep. left with Stroheim, a little Nazi who we can't see the face of, a speed wagon who's tied up. He's and, in like a full body cast. Yeah, he's in like Hannibal Lecter-esque like let's, straight let's, jacket. Let's keep it moving. And some other guy who's about to die anyway. Uh, so then these four guys are all like, yo, Santana, don't kill us. We're good. And then Santana's all like, no, I'm going to eat you. And then Joseph's all like, next you'll say, I'm going to eat. Oh, wait, that missed my life. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And then Joseph, like, diffuses the situation by bringing him into sunlight. And he's all like, yeah, I'm a hero. I'm really hurt, though. Fuck yep. me. Uh, so then we skip forward. And then he's all like, yeah, so there were other stone masks that the Nazis found. I don't think the Nazis realize how dangerous it is. And then Joseph's all like, cool, let's go to the Colosseum and then find the Nazis. They go to the Colosseum. They find some Nazis. And then all the Nazis die to cars, ACDC, and... The other one. Wamu. Wamu. And they meet Caesar too. And they meet Caesar along the way because Caesar's a dick in a fountain place and he's all like, hey, I don't trust Italians. And Caesar's all like, yeah, well, I, I only don't trust, trust Nazis. <laughs> 
And then Caesar's all like, God. yeah, well, I don't trust people that don't like spaghetti, you fucking asshole. And then Joseph's all like, fine, I actually like spaghetti. We could get along. And he's all like, fine, we could get along for now. Thus begins a young budding relationship that will never right. die. Skip forward again. And so we go underneath the Colosseum and there's a whole bunch of uh, Nazis. And the Nazis are all like, yeah, let's, you know, fucking make the stone masks do things. Pillar men. <laughs> we'll make the pillar men do things. And they give them a bit of blood, I think. Close enough. Yep. And then they wake up and they're all like, yo, it's me, Cars, with my homeboy, Whamu, and my dog, ACDC. They do good poses. They do amazing poses. Mark the friendly Nazi dies. Oh, fuck, there was Mark the Friendly Nazi! Alright, I I didn't intend this to be the whole episode, so let's keep moving. Uh, Just skip skip through the rest. So then they eventually just, like, all die, and then Joseph's all like, Yo, I'll make you a promise. If you don't kill me, I'll be back in 30 days, and I'll kill you. And then ACDC's all like, Yeah, sure, whatever. That seems like a pretty good plan. Alright, fuck you! And then Cass is all like, Why'd you do that? Like, why didn't you kill him? He's like, Cause, it's fun. Shenanigans. I could kill him if I wanted to, and Cass is all like, You're dumb. I hate you all. Bye. So then Joseph goes if off. You, if you recall, there's a, a very good shot mm. where they all leap into the night sky laughing. <laughs> do they? Yeah. Oh, God. Of course they do. So then Joseph is all like, yo, I'm going to go off and find this mysterious Hamon trainer in Italy. I think it's Italy. I don't yeah. actually know. And then he goes off and finds like a canoe lady who's all like, yo, you can't pass until like... You, you pay the troll toll. And yeah. then Joseph's all like, fuck your troll toll. And she's all like, well, it's me, Lisa Lisa. And he's like, what? Lisa Lisa? Isn't that your master, Caesar? And Caesar's all like, it is my master. Why was she wearing a mask and being mysterious? Fun. Man, I love you some Lisa Lisa. So they climb this pillar. So they climb this giant pillar in their first test and they're all like, oh no, breathing. And then Joseph gets a mask put on him that forces his breathing to be like better, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And after 30 days... Uh, ACDC shows up and is all like, yo, I'm here early. I'm going to kill you. It's like, that wasn't part of the deal. It's like, we look, I could just kill you if I wanted to. I'm going to redo the deal. Fuck you. And then he kills Loggins. <laughs> Moving on. And then Loggins <laughs> dies. <laughs> Joseph's all like, next you'll say, haha, you're very smart. It's like, haha, you're very, oh no. And then he kills ACDC. Yep. And ACDC's all like, I didn't know I could die. And then Whamu's all like, yeah, well, I'm a warrior of wind, motherfucker. Let's have a chariot race. And they have a chariot battle. So they have a chariot battle. And then Joseph's all like, yo, I'm going to beat you. Oh, Caesar died. With No, not yet. No, he's dead. Is he? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, Caesar (laughs) goes into some mansion. He dies in a very weird religious way. (laughs) It's very weird. Doesn't ever come up again. Uh, Joseph's all like, yeah, well, I'm going to kill you. So he kills Whamu. Yep. With fire, I think. Caesar helps. Caesar helps out a little. Because uh, he realizes, ah, oh, this is how I beat him. Beautiful. Excellent. I got this. And then Cars is all like, yeah, I'm just going to go like ascend. So bye. Goes and ascends into the ultimate being. And oh, like, um, Stroham came back a couple of times as a cyborg. Oh, yeah. Stroham's all like, yeah, well, the ultimate being can't beat Nazi science. And then Cars is all like, yes, I can. Bye. So he ascends. He puts the, the until now unmentioned by you, uh, Redstone of Asia. Ah, uh, yes. Into the, stu- into the special stone mask, yep. and the Nazis shoot it with a UV cannon that makes him the ultimate being. And he's all like, now I feed off sunlight because light is my thing. And he's all like, oh no, this was unexpected, actually. Mm-hmm. Given that light's meant to kill you, it's like, yeah, well, light can't kill me now, bitches, I'm a bird! So he flies off, because he's a bird now. And then Joseph's all like, fuck you, I can drive a plane. And then everyone learns for the first time why, in very good detail, Joseph should never drive a plane. Mm-hmm. So he basically drives this plane into a volcano. Uh, Cars is all like, yeah, well, I'll follow you into the volcano. And then he's all like, cool. Well, guess what? I punch you into the lava. 
fuck you. And then Kaz is like, well, guess what? Your hand's getting cut off. There's a very good um, implementation of the um, dear sister slash mm, what you say meme <laughs> uh, set to oh. Joseph getting his hand cut off. God, it's so good. So then his hand gets cut off. He's like, what, my hand? He's like, yeah, that's right. I'm alive. Stone armor, bitch. And then he uh, comes out. He's like, well, guess what? I have a plan. Do you, Joseph? He's like, yes, I do. We wait. He's like, why are you waiting? Because, you know, I didn't really have a plan, but I think I have a plan. So then he launches cars into space. <laughs> and cars is all like, oh, no. And how does he do that? Uh, with explosives and a volcano erupting. Close enough. Um, yeah. And maybe Hamon. I can't remember. So what happens is Kaz uses his Hamon in the red, into the red zone of Asia, which shoots a laser into the earth, which makes the volcano erupt. <sighs> classic. <laughs> Just fucking classic. That's one of, uh, one, one of the five types of stories. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. So then Kaz gets sent into space because he can't die, but he can be perpetually frozen forever. He got what was coming to him. It was his one true weakness. The end. Vacu- well, hang on. Joseph then goes to his own funeral. Very uncouthly and reveals to everyone, hey, I'm banging Susie Q. Who what is Lisa up? Lisa's mate. And Lisa Lisa, Smokey oh, and Arena are all like, what the fuck? We thought you were dead. He's like, you idiots. <laughs> oh, no, of course I'm not fucking dead. I'm right here, dumbos. It's like, okay, all right. Lisa Lisa goes off, does nothing. Uh, <laughs> Arena's, Arena's all like, I can die happy. Speedwagon's all like, hey, oil, I'm good. Bye. And then dies. Which is a shame, but he leaves Speedwagon Foundation and they're in pip. They're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Smokey's all like, yo, I'm the governor of Georgia? Mayor, I think. Mayor of hometown in Georgia. Yeah, he's mayor of hometown Georgia. He's like, yo, what up, Smokey Brown? Peace. Uh, Yeah, and that's all the characters I can remember. Yep. Then part three happens. Part three is a roller coaster of emotions. Involves Dio coming back because he he never died. Because apparently the coffin is a secret apartment. Stealing Jonathan's body. And uh, And, uh, Holly, who is Joseph's. Joseph's daughter gets sick. Holly's all like, <coughs> and they they're like, let's go to Egypt and fight him, and then they do. Uh, yep. So that and takes... now you know the rest of the story. How many episodes? That takes like that takes twice episodes. as long as the everything up to that point. Good God! But so there's a lot of stance. Okay, stance. That was a longer recap than I thought it might have been. <laughs> so but now we've laid the groundwork for our discussion. Sure. So. First of all, Nick, this is a, an interesting question. Yeah. What do you think about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> what do I think about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? In what way do I want to think about it? Because it is... Are you enjoying it? Yes. Yes, I am. It's one of, like... Because we've discussed this before. These sort of three first stories form, like, sort of cohesive narrative, which I think was initially planned to... End at this yeah, point. Yeah, be the entirety. Yeah. Because at this point, the main villain that came back is now dead. Yeah. The ultimate being is dead. So the shonen kind of ish stuff is gone. And it's like, well, cool. That's it. We're done. And we've had like hard stand magic where it's like, here are the rules. Logic battles. And you're like, cool. That's it. So thoughts. I mean, it's good. It's just just fucking good, isn't it? It's very, it's a very strange combination of like. Bizarre, you might say. That's my line, Liam. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's a very strange combination of like this bizarre set of circumstances combined with this grotesque explicit nature of wow okay like oh yeah i'm gonna eat your livers out because i'm just like 
a vampire and then like you get to see like oh yeah just I'm gonna eat his liver out you're like wow this and is then someone cool. will say something like he's eating his livers out like a pig in filth that's gone down to market on Sunday and no one knows where it is. <laughs> Wouldn't it be more obtuse, the metaphor, though? I feel, like, I feel like that got pretty obtuse. No, it'd be more like, oh, he's eating that liver like a whiteboard eraser chews up whiteboard marker fluid. And then is clapped by a student after school. That student's going to be covered in dead liver fluid. You're like, oh, okay. Thanks, Speedwagon. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just this very strange mix of a whole bunch of different things. So, like, one of the things I really like about it is that it's very, very logical all the time, but not in the way that you want it to be logical. It's very bizarre logic. Okay. So, within its own frame of reference of, oh, yeah, we have stands that have, like, secret powers. And then within that, it's like, didn't you realize that I could just outsmart you in this really bizarre way? So, it's like, oh, you didn't use, like, you know, fire versus water. You just were like, oh, I'll just outsmart you. I'll just stop time myself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Fuck that ending. I'll just inhale you. I'll just yeah. use my secret finger-based ranged <laughs> attack that no one knew I had. But, you know, it's always like this logical thing where it's like, I'm going to out-logic you, motherfucker. I, I, I know what you're getting at, but yeah. I feel like your phrasing is is it's, it's making not... your point inelegantly. It's, it's more about getting to be able to hit the opponent than the, act, the actual act of hitting them. Yeah, it's less about strength, more about smarts. Yeah. Say, take um, our fan favourite, or podcast favourite, Dan of Steel, for instance, mm. where he's within arm's reach of Jotaro the whole time, but it's a matter of being able to hit him. Yeah, because otherwise his buddy will die. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't hit him then, can we? Yeah. Oh, man, Dan of Steel. And those make for the best sort of fights, I think. Yeah, because it's less about... Because when you're watching someone fighting, you're like, okay, I get it, but like, we're just watching people fighting. Yeah. But if it's fighting, even with some... even the final battle with Dio, which has its probably more more than JoJo's fair share of just like you know dudes punching each other. Yeah. It's still so much more about the two combatants being like, can he move? Can he see me? Mm. What's going on? Is he stopping time? Can he pick up this steamroller in time? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because like it always has a resonance behind it. And then is immediately dealt with. So, like, if you look at, I don't know, like, any martial arts film, they'll generally have, like, the two opposite, like, ideologies, where you have one guy who's like, yeah, tradition is important, we need to uphold traditions. And the other guy's like, no, fuck tradition. I have, like... Yeah, I've wicked, karate kid. Yeah, I have, like, wicked cyber armor and shit, right? So then, like, it takes a whole fight to do that. And if you're watching the choreography, you're like, wow, this is really impressive. But in a cartoon, it doesn't really work. You know? Right, I see. So in this, it's like, well, then fuck the fight scene. Just make it all about the competing ideologies. Sure, I guess. Yeah, which is interesting to me. Great. Okay. Now we've also we've also had three distinct adventures with three very distinct, I would say, protagonists. Now, yes. I'm wondering. I want. I just want to discuss them a bit. Um, can I describe them in explicit detail? You can give it a crack. Jonathan Joestar. The first protagonist. The upstanding youth that came from riches that realised that the world is more dangerous than you could ever imagine. That realised the world is not enough. Yeah. And just decides to be the hero the world needed because he was the good guy all along. Mm -hmm. Who would have seen it coming? Joseph Joestar, the, the second protagonist. Yeah, I don't know what to say. He he is more than you could ever handle. He is a loudmouth. He's a brute. But in the end of the day, he's a lovable, charming fellow. Well, charming! He's charming in a very childlike way. <laughs> and then we have Jotaro, who is apparently half Japanese, half e American or English? Well, Joseph is... Joseph and Jonathan are both English. Okay. Joseph lives in the US and then 
his daughter Holly grew up in the US but then married a Japanese person. Yeah, so that makes sense. It depends how you slice it, I guess. Sure. He's half Japanese. Uh, he is the cool guy who is always too cool, who is just cooler He's than so you. He's so aloof. He's so aloof. Remember, no that, that's, that, remember that whole sequence when um, the plane crashed and they were in that camp in the desert and the baby stand stuff was happening? Mm. And he just spent basically his whole awake time in that episode standing, staring into the desert with a coffee cup. <laughs> <laughs> He's just there going, yep, yep, this is me. This is my life now. Traveling with these people. Good grief. <laughs> yare, yare. Um, <laughs> I like them all in distinct ways. Yes. Go on then. Um, I've, I've spoken, I think, a lot on this show uh, about my particular fondness for part one, even though I think it is, it's establishing a lot of potential that's only really capitalised on in future parts. Mm. But I've talked a lot about how I think there's, a, in its simplicity, it tells still a really powerful story and you have Jonathan, the sort of noble hero archetype mm. and his... um. His buddy Speedwagon. And his villainous brother, Dio. Um, (laughs) Dio. And I like Jonathan, even though Jonathan's characterization is very simplistic and at times I think a little heavy handed, Mm -hmm. I like that he. It's still effective. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, You can get on board with his. Although he doesn't really go on any sort of emotional journey. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? He goes on a whole emotional journey. He goes from. Upstanding optimism to not quite as optimistic, but still pretty upstanding. I just I appreciate his sort of steadfast refusal to like um to give in to, to compromise him. his morals yeah. and yeah the the very fact that his dying act is both an act of sacrifice to save the people he loves mm-hmm. and also an act of compassion in cradling the head of his mortal enemy. <laughs> it just like, so effectively sums up his character. Where he's like, it's okay, buddy. You you can die. It's okay. I'll just hold you. We'll be fine. And he's like, Jojo. It's okay. It's okay. I'm already dead. (laughs) And then, of course, that is so amazingly contrasted with Joseph, who who basically looks like him, (laughs) but is awful. I mean, he's awful not... entertaining, but awful. I mean, he's not awful in the sense that he's like, you know what? I care about people. It's just that what he does is like, you know what? I care about people. So I'm going to punch you out of the way so that you don't get hurt. And so he's like, also like, wow, Straito's taken that, ju- that that female journalist hostage. I don't give a shit. Go ahead and kill her. <laughs> but then he tears off his shirt and fights anyway. He's, he's a man of contrasts in that he... Whenever he opens, much like Qui Gon Jinn, Go on. whenever he opens his mouth, you think, "Oh, this asshole!" But then through his actions, you're like, "That guy's a hero." Yeah, sh- sure. I mean, peeping on Lisa, Lisa, not great, not great, not good, no, not, not good at all. I would not say, fantastic. At Collaborating all. with the Nazis, also, also a point mm, against yeah, him. Mm, okay, so we've got two con. Mm-hmm. What in the pro though? Um, Defeating Cars, the ultimate being, and yep. saving the Earth. I mean, that's Fights for his friends. I'll count that as one, though, because, you know, they're pretty much the same. Uh, yep. Uh, cares for his grandmother's well-being. Sure, that's two. That's two in the pros, yeah. Fights injustice when he sees it. Uh, that's still part of the first one. What was <laughs> defeating cars, the ultimate being, and saving no, the No, because, like, you know, he fought those cops who were hassling Smokey. That's he, true, he that's to do true. That. Strong morals yeah. against the man. Yeah. I mean, he hates the man. He's a lovable... It, and it also becomes more pronounced as... He has a very distinct journey where he becomes distinctly more heroic mm. over the course of the part, uh, probably culminating in the aftermath of Caesar's death where he's like, I have to be a hero now. But prior to that, there's always the question of, is this guy just like a selfish coward? Yeah. He's more of a playboy than a, 
editorial magazine. That didn't make sense. I think Caesar is more of the playboy archetype. <laughs> no, because Caesar is very like, we have to do what's right. But Caesar spends his whole introductory episode being like, yes, senorina, I will smooch you. And then Joseph will put a pigeon in your mouth. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, okay... So we've got Although Caesar. they do establish about that him in his introduction and then never follow up on it again. Yeah, it's so. sort of like Caesar is there being like, we have to do the right thing. And Joseph's like, you know what? I am not going to do that. I'm going to get better first. Caesar like, is, of course, also an interesting parallel to Will Azapelli, his grandfather, mm. Jonathan's mentor, because obviously he's more of a rival character to, jo- yeah. to Joseph, but he's also a lot more antagonistic initially. And then I and think warms. Their, their growth in affection also reflects Joseph's growth in becoming more of a heroic character. Mm. He becomes more like Jonathan in many ways. Yeah. Although he's still distinctly Joseph. <laughs> yeah. He's still he's like... Still in his own awful way. He's like, you know what we're going to do? Run away! Yeah. Okay, now we need a plan. Oh my God, what's going on? And then Jodoro's interesting because he, despite still basically looking like both of them, <laughs> he has a proud mullet. Kind of doubles down on like... The bad boy streak that has its seeds in Joseph. Mm. But underneath that, you still see the... Um, the good-hearted Jonathan. Yeah. It's like, hey, old man, I love you. Or I, I watched the first couple of episodes of the Stardust Crusaders dub recently, and mm. we talked about this a lot in the early episodes of our part three watch. Mm. Uh, but it struck me so much more um, watching it in English, just... I guess because of it's my first language. <laughs> sure, um, yeah. First, you might say only. Uh, <laughs> Like, he's awful to his mum. Who, Jotaro? Yeah. Yeah, but he Remember how he's always been like, shut up, bitch! Oh, yeah, true. Like, that... Obviously, I was aware of it, having watched it the whole thing two or three times through. Mm. But it... I just found that a lot more impactful (laughs) hearing it in English rather than reading it, where there were, like, all these little, like, things like, okay, but, like, that could be an awkward translation from him, like, speaking with a rude... the rude Japanese dialect or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. But at the same time, he still deep down is like, I don't want anything to happen in my mind. Well, yes, it's also, I think it's very <laughs> charming, much more so for the fact that the show never draws attention to it, that he first realises everything is wrong when his mum isn't there to kiss him goodbye when he's going to school. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, fuck you, mum. I love you. He's like a biker. You know how bikers yeah. have like that little puppy dog and they're like, if anything were to happen to this puppy dog, I would murder everyone that I know. I love him. And then they just pat this tiny dog. Yeah. And then they're wearing like a leather jacket on a Harley and he's like, this is my doggy. Fuck you. I will say though that I feel like Jotaro of the three protagonists we've had so far mm. probably has the hardest time carrying the part. And that's why mm. the four other members of the party are necessary to, fl- to flesh out the personalities there. Because he's obviously he's such a straight man. <laughs> he has no personality, he's, some might I, say. I think he has a personality. It's just, it's a lot more muted than the other Jojo protagonist personalities. I mean, no offence, but his favourite colour is transparent. We've been over this <laughs> at great detail. Mm. Um, and then I think it wouldn't work if it was like part two, which was basically all about Joseph all the time mm. with Jotaro, because it'd just be so much... It'd be so dull. It'd be so much good grief. I can't believe I've gotten into another situation. Yeah, that's true. I also like that they brought Joseph back, but they didn't... Like, he wasn't used that much, but he was used. Yeah, he was... Like, he's had his part, and they were like, cool, he's now in the background. More of a guiding hand. Exactly. Where he's like, oh, yeah, you know about Dio. That's it. You're the proxy now. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I I do really like that moment that Joseph has in the, um, the battle with Dio, where he's like, yep, wrap myself in hammer. <laughs> can't touch me. <laughs> Uh, Shame it didn't work. No, he's still dead. That's fine. (laughs) And he's he's not a character that you want to 
have like all the time Jotaro that is oh okay like right. you don't want to have them all the time just like in every episode because as soon as he goes too long you're like we get it you're a bad boy and allowing him to sort of take a, a back seat every now and then mm. does allow for some very good moments where like he'll just chime in and be like this is just awful like what there was an episode where he didn't have any screen time and then at the end of the episode he just walks up and was like good grief <laughs> and that's it and you're like Oh yes, <laughs> and, oh, and yes. even though he was the focal point in this battle, I, uh, I it very much reminds me of moments like in the um, Deep Blue Moon battle mm. when they initially th- smash up the enemy stand and they're all standing in a line um, on the boat, and he he does a quip, then he turns to Avdol next to him and he's like, Avdol, say something cool. <laughs> Uh, we did talk about this throughout the part, but I, I do subscribe to the idea that despite his being like a cool, tough teen, mm. underneath that, he is a huge dork. <laughs> I mean, it would be amazing if that was the case. Could you imagine? I think it is. But like, it's never explicitly told that he likes anything at all. At all. <laughs> so like, he could just be an idiot, you know? I like the idea that he would just be a massive Dumbo, basically. Right. Where he just walks around being like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit here and be just cool. Just going to smash it. Yeah, just... It's like I'm going to wreck it. How do you Jotaro feel? Kujo, 1988. <laughs> I mean, I'm just realising now, if time doesn't go that far into part four, we're going to see more Jotaro. Yes. Which is going to be... But before we get onto that, weird. though, I want to circle back to um, the Joseph part two, part three transition. Yes. And I like that because I think you can tell he's still very much clearly Joseph Joestar. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, at the end of the final battle when he is saved from certain death and immediately starts playing a prank on his... <laughs> a very insensitive Ugh. prank on his grandson. So which good. I think very nicely parallels the I thought you were dead rocks up at own funeral end of part two. Yeah. Um, so you can tell he's still very much the same... He's the same clueless, selfish idiot, uh. Joseph Joestar. But he does have that 50 years more experience under his belt. He's, he can pull off the joke He's moderately <laughs> more mature. Sure. He stops at yeah. some point. He likes to think he's a bit sophisticated, like when he was mm. talking about how well-travelled he was with the camels and everything. Yeah, but to be fair, anyone that starts talking about this is how well-sophisticated I am probably isn't that sophisticated. True, and I think that suits <laughs> Joseph as well. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh. He's a fun guy. Yeah. Doesn't like the Japanese very much, though. <laughs> well, yeah, because they stole his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's going to be fucking hilarious, isn't it? That sequence at, near the start of part three where he's complaining about, like, Japanese coffee and Avdol's there being like, I do like the tea ceremony, though. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh Japan, oh. Yeah. So, great. That, oh, and of course, um, I feel like part three has the strongest supporting cast in terms of, like, oh, Palmer sure. and uh, Kakuin and Joseph. But it also feels like those... It doesn't feel like Jotaro's the main guy in that. It feels yeah. much more like... It's like a Broadway musical. I have heard part three colloquially referred to as Pol Pol's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much is, isn't yeah. it? He has, like, the biggest arc out of anyone where you're like, oh my god, Polnareff, what the fuck? Yeah. I would say he probably gets... In fact, I'm certain he probably gets the most, um, like, solo adventures, too. Yeah. Because Jotaro jo- jo- would usually take the lead in, like, winning the ensemble pieces mm. and... I think would very rarely, other than that, have his own little things. But Paul never yeah. would always go off somewhere, usually to the toilet, and get into a scrape. I think it's because, like, at first, everyone was doing these individual things. So Paul Nareff was very easy to start being like, oh, yeah, he's French. His sister, you know, got 
screwed yeah, over. He's a Negro Montoya. Yeah, and then after a while, when they started working together again, it's like, oh, okay, so now we can bring them yeah. together. And I feel it's, it's a shame. I think Polnareff, even though I've, I very much like Polnareff, and mm. he's probably my favourite member of that party. Um, I know, tough call. Mm. You know, I you know I have a hard time picking favourites. It's true. Um, I feel like the fact that he's so even overutilized is at the expense of say Abdul and Kakuin. Mm, no, with, I agree. With Joseph, it's fine and understandable because you know you've watched him for a whole part yeah. already. Um, but you know, Jotaro and Abdul and Kakuin. I mean, Kakuin. Well, I think Jotaro is fine because he still has enough of his own moments, like win- winning all the ensemble battles. I guess he wins against Dio. Yeah. But like, um, but like Kakuin is Kakuin like- is so under you, and the- Kakuin and Abdul both disappear for large stretches of the story. Hmm. I mean, Kakuin literally, like, doesn't get any backstory except for maybe two episodes and then dies. He d- in one of them, the backstory is right before he dies. Yeah. You're like, well, okay, that's great work there, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. And they, they both disappear for a time and come back with a new affectation to make them more interesting. <laughs> Abdul's like, yeah, I've got my new cool personality. And then Kakuin's like, hey, guys, sunglasses. Oh, fuck off. No, just, oh. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> and then we have Iggy, who is yes, Iggy. the best. Now, uh, someone got in touch with us to highlight a point about Iggy they wanted us to highlight again. I'm just going to pull that up. <laughs> he wanted us to highlight a highlight? Shush. <laughs> so, um, previous corresponder, at Bad Duda. Oh, God, so good. Uh, just wanted to fi- hi- wanted us to highlight the fact uh, regarding the the secret sixth party member, Iggy. Mm-hmm. Uh, his transformation from... Being a horrid dog caricature <laughs> to a hot young anime. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't forgotten. Don't worry about that. It scarred into my mind. <laughs> Can we bring up the first Absolutely. Image? I will pull up the Iggy evolution. Oh, God. Because he starts off horrific. It's like slathering, slather constantly <laughs> dripping from his jaws. It's not even a dog. It's this abomination of like... Well, I think the problem is it's too much like a real dog for the highly stylized... Um, <laughs> The realm of manga. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a good polar Iggy. You know what I also liked? Was, oh, God. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it's... it's Oh, God, It's got no. some uncanny valley elements, like these big human eyes. <laughs> but um, I think, particularly in this shot, this, particu- this picture here, which is from the anime, yeah. it does just look like he's tried to draw a real dog in there. Mm. And then you get to... This is a still from his um, role in Eyes of Heaven. Just got a man's like, face. weird man's face with bat ears on a dog's body. Yeah. No, go back to the first one. Because the first time you see him... Wait, was that? That's the first one. In the manga... Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the first time you see him in the manga where he just looks like this horrific... You know when you make, uh, like, a ransom note and you take letters from different magazines? Oh, like doing that with a face? Yeah, it's like doing that with a face. Like, his eyes are just... They're on different angles. (laughs) They're they're just all over the place. His nose... It's a nose, sure. His mouth just looks like an upside-down fucking line. Um, (laughs) Not to be confused with a right-side-up line. Jesus Christ. It's just horrific. Yeah. It's just literally like, you look at it and you go, oh. But it's also like strangely detailed too. And I have to wonder the if- The ribcage bits. Yeah. I have to wonder if maybe his, let's say, streamlined design towards the end <laughs> was a result of just like, this is too much effort to draw consistently like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, when you look at that, what does it conjure into your but, mind? A feeling of dog or, oh God. I think looking back at these three images, there is like a very clear evolution towards it though. But mm. I think it's interesting that he only becomes the the human head on dog body, not mm. to be confused with the dog with the face of a man. Yep. Um, 
once we start hearing his internal monologue, basically. Oh, he's yeah. humanised in that he's become a protagonist fully. <laughs> we get to see behind the dog eyes mm. and we start to see just regular man. Whoa. Is he man's best friend or is he the best he's friend? He's man's best friend. Is he man best friend or is he man, comma, best friend? Dog. Good dog, best friend. Okay, um, that's Iggy. That's Iggy right there. Yeah. I like Iggy. He was good. But I do feel, returning back to my previous point, I feel like um, Avdol oh, in particular is a little underutilised because... He disappears for like 20 episodes. But then when he comes back, he doesn't really do anything of note. Yeah. Like, um, obviously he's involved in the Mar Mar Mariah fight. Uh, and and all the the skits that entails. Yeah, but like at the but, same time. And then he he make he makes a a life radar in Dio's mansion, and then is killed before the battle begins. Yeah, and so you're just seeing which is like, tragic oh. and compelling drama. But I mean, I just thought he wasn't dead yet. So because he died once before and came back. So I do my, I do like the gaslighting of Polnareff though. Oh god, it's so good. There's something about Polnareff. I don't know. Where you want to see him suffer, but then you want to see him overcome the suffering. I think it's because every time you're like, oh, he's going to be a better person now. He's like, hey, idiot, tell me about your foreign wares. And you're like, okay, yeah, let's just... I think he might be the most clearly flawed protagonist in that party of flawed protagonists. Mm. And yet he has the best redemption arc that isn't a real redemption so much as just like, a, well, I got revenge now. But was it worth it? He's like, I got revenge now. Time to learn about how, learning how to deal with post-revenge life. Oh, some of my friends died. Let's go get some more revenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is friendship that important? Eh, I'll just go back to France. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting... He's a very interesting guy. More interesting than Jodoro in some ways. Hmm. Mm hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Um, having talked about how, without getting too much into our... Um, Recap and or discussion. Into our prediction oh. of part four. Oh, okay. Yep. Um... Of course, we know that the next episode is entitled um, Jotaro Kujo meet uh, Josuke Hikashikata from last episode. Is it? Wait, is it Josuke Hikashikata? H-I-G-A-S-H-I-K-A-T-A. Hikashikata. Yeah. Huh. I'm sure that I'm I'm mangling the pronunciation of that in the same way I was mangling Jotaro at the start of part three and probably still am. Jotaro Kujo. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So we know he's in that, yep. and we know that ha having moved on, he's not going to be the main character anymore. Yeah. And I do feel like Jotaro's deadpan... Um, comedy? Deadpan comedy... Um, <laughs> Yare. Personality, Yare. his, his self-seriousness, um, to uh, the point of almost parody, yep. does make him more suitable as the sort of knowledgeable mental figure than as the main protagonist, which is something we'll see yeah. as we go. I'd, like, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that as we go. Yeah. No, it's... Isn't it because I can't really imagine Jotaro outside of part three? Yeah. But I also think I had a hard time imagining Joseph outside of part two. But, like, I saw him... Did you have a hard time imagining Jonathan out of part one? Uh, Can you imagine what he was going to be getting up to? Yeah. <laughs> we should talk about that in a sec, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think... Hang on, I'll leave it for the predictions bit. Sure. But, yeah, I can't really imagine characters outside of their own parts because it's like you've seen them for so long and then you're like oh that's who they are yeah you know that makes sense like at the end of part two when you saw old joseph you're like oh wow this is gonna be a, a change yeah you were like oh so that's just joseph now oh shit we're not even time makes Ooh. fools of us all <laughs> he just has a hat okie dokie he didn't have the hat yet didn't he no i thought he had the hat remember this recurring no, no, bit no, you no. had the brown coat shut up oh okay alright this recurring bit yeah in which I should I should tell you to shut up so much <laughs> I'm sorry um recap and discussion I in should. which I kept being like 
Joseph keeps changing his clothes and none of them keep none of the other ones are. And then I was like, when does he settle into that thing we always see him in the OP? Which you I'm sure you would now know is that sort of Brown tan coat. shirt. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was wearing like a hat in the part two bit. I don't think he was. Because it was a different studio. Or a different art style, at least. Yeah, and it looked really odd because you were like, ooh. I don't remember that. I remember the distinctly different goatee. Yeah, because you were there going, ooh, that's not what I'm used to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know where we were going with this, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, indubitably. Mm, yeah. So, part three. Yes. I like it. Okay, here we go. Here but... we go. Oh, God, what is it? I feel like it might be one of my least favourite JoJo parts. Ooh, Okay. My reasons for this are many faults. Am I allowed to know, or is it coloured by future parts that I'm not allowed to know about? Well, I mean, I've, I've made no secret of the fact that part four is one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, but reasons that part three is lower on my rankings list. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Reason number one. I do kind of resent the way it undercuts the really poetic ending of part one. Sure, sure. But particularly given the sort of inelegant um, coffin-based plot hole. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to hold that against anyone. See, I really enjoy that. Like, I like it in a sort of laughy way, but I I do feel like the death of Jonathan Joestar is one of the more dramatically compelling parts of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. But I I just feel like... And to just be like, oh yeah, nah, DO1. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's really cool that he just went, okay, well, Jonathan tried his hardest, but sometimes... The bad guys win. Okay, that, that, that's an interesting perspective. Where, I, I hadn't he, considered that. Yeah, where, like, Dio loses very obviously, right? He's mm-hmm. lost. Yeah. But then it's like, well, he is a vampire. He can play the long game. Yeah, he he is underhanded, so he's just going to steal his body. Yeah. You know? I mean, how he does it when he's just ahead, I don't know. I just but... feel bad for Jonathan, you know? Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. But he was already dead, you know? Fun fact. Mm-hmm. I may have mentioned this previously. Um, Eyes of Heaven. Yep. PS4 game. A lot of um, timeline manipulation in the story in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can basically give everyone happy endings by messing with the time at the end of the game. Okay. Jonathan Joestar still got to die alone at sea because otherwise the other protagonists won't exist. Sure. Okay. They'll still exist though. But not in the forms we know them. Oh, I see. I see. Ooh. That is... I mean, that's kind of the ultimate hero sacrifice where it's like he didn't win, but at the same time... He made sure that Dio didn't just completely destroy everything. It also bugs me in that game, and I guess in media similar to it, mm. that the Jonathan Dio rivalry is overlooked in favour of the Jonathan Jotaro one. I guess because of that, that story's like more finality, re Dio, and also more recency and also greater popularity. Sure, but I feel like Dio as a person was much more assholey. Yes, but <laughs> I feel like he was much more focused on. Jonathan as a worthy nemesis than Jotaro, where he was just like, oh, Jotaro, you're you're just a bump on the road in the way to my destiny. Yeah. But I mean, that was kind of the hubris of him. I suppose so, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, you don't have Harmon, how could you beat me, you idiot? I just feel like Jonathan doesn't get his due. I mean, I think that's kind of good, though, because you have like this heroic ending of, yeah, I've defeated Dio, but I'm being ultimately compassionate so that I hold him so he dies in his last moments. But then it's like... That in itself was a flaw where it's like he didn't finish the job. Right. And so that didn't have any repercussions until way later down the line. But at the end of the day, he did save Arena so that like his grandchild... Grandchild? Great-grandchild? Yeah. Great-grandchild could then deal with it. Great-great? Yeah. Great-great. Yes, great-great. Jonathan, George II, um, Holly, Jodoro. Yes. So great-great-grandchild. 
Hang on. Oh, I missed Joseph in there. Yeah, so he goes, Jonathan. Yes. Actually, no, let's go backwards. We have Jotaro, and then we have Holly. Yep. We have uh, Joseph, George Jr., Jonathan. Yep. George the First. George the First. Fuck him. He's already dead. (laughs) So he's his great-grandchild. Yes. So his great-grandchild can come by. Great-great. Great-great? Yes, great-great-grandchild. His great-great-grandchild can finish what was started, mm-hmm. right? And so ultimately, even though he didn't succeed, his lineage could. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Which is, I think, way more compelling from a narrative point of view because it's like, oh, right. not one man can't do it, but you know what? A family can. I just feel bad for him, you know? I mean, yeah, but like he... Actually, that's an interesting That's an interesting thematic point that you make, and that's something we're going to discuss later in the episode because I'm going to just... I'm going to lay out some themes that are going to be um, reoccurring in part four. Um, oh, just okay. to sort of set the stage for our discussion and sure. the sort of being part of a greater whole than yourself is very significant in that. Well, I mean, every single part kind of has had that, except for part two. <laughs> sure. Yep. Part two was literally like, I'm Joseph, I'll well, take care Joseph of it. Joseph couldn't have defeated um, That's true. Lisa, Wamu. Lisa. Yep, and Joseph couldn't have defeated Lisa Lisa. <laughs> End of sentence. I mean, he needed Lisa Lisa to teach the ham on. He needed. He couldn't. He couldn't have defeated Wamu were it not for the the gift Caesar gave him in the act of his sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had his friends all along. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Muggins, the Speedwagon Foundation. Let's be real. Messina still alive. Yeah, yeah. It's just a whole bunch of friends. Just oh, doing remember the Messina? Thing. All those things that he did. Yeah, like nothing. Yep. 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 So uh, yeah. Um, anyway, why else don't you like part three? Okay. Wh- that I will then <laughs> so break what down. What was the first reason? <laughs> because you felt like the... Oh, yeah. Jo- Jonathan Joestar. Yeah, Jonathan Joestar um, didn't win. <laughs> this one's unavoidable to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but I do feel like um, just because of the developing the stands and the fact that, yep. um, you know, trying out new ground and stuff. It and was the first The fact to... that a lot of obvious ideas hadn't been used yet. Yeah. A lot of the stand battles de jour um, <laughs> are a bit more basic than some of the stuff that's to come. Right, okay. And particularly com- when compared to stuff at the end of the part, like the derby battles, yeah. which are like, mwah. They're just like, this stand is so dumb. Italian chef kiss. Oh, it's so good. Also but, just like the flipping on the head of stands where it's like, oh, I don't need a stand, I'll just beat you. And you're like, oh... When, okay. Oh, right. Because his stand is to take souls. It's like nothing else. With the else. derbies, you mean? Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, oh, so the, you you don't technically have a stand. It's like, mm. no, I can just Because so, so many more of those mm. earlier battles were about like... I'm going to punch you, but I have fire. Beyblades. <laughs> Pokemon battles. But also, like, I, I guess I'll hold up the um, Avdol and Polnareff battle as an example of this. That was that was almost like a Pokemon battle yeah, in its was, structure. Yeah, it... I mean, when you're dealing with that, it's kind of necessary, but it is unfortunately what happened. Yeah. So you're just kind of sitting there like, yeah, this doesn't seem like a great system if all you're going to do is Pokemon battles. Mm. But then later when they start going, okay, now that we've set having a bit more fun with it. Yeah, we can go, okay, now we've done like fire, water. What about And I I suppose the ones where it really starts working for me are probably, um, I suppose in terms of power, it probably starts working for me the best at... Well, um, at the earliest at strength, but we're not going to talk about strength. Um, so I guess when they arrive in Singapore, yeah, and um, you have the devil, which is of course that whole situation with oh, the Chucky doll, you silly fool, and then the yellow temperance thing, which mm. is initially like, what the fuck is wrong with Kakuin? Yeah, uh, and though sidebar, I think it's a strength of Kakuin's almost blank cipher character that they could chuck that on him and everyone would be like is he acting funny or is he always like this um, he does enjoy cherries doesn't he yeah um, but like when they start branching yeah. out from oh yeah so I have fire I'll beat you with water mm-hmm. where it's like oh so I have a small doll but I'm also really far away yeah 
how does that have a weakness? You know? Or like anything to do with um, Vanilla Ice's thing. Yeah. It was like, yeah, so I just eat myself out of existence and I wake up in a void. I mean, that's weird. Let's fucking roll with it. <laughs> yeah. I do like the tarot yeah. motif, though, for the early stands. Mm, mm. It is very fun. Yep. I'm enjoying that there are always, like, a group of stands that have, like, a grouping of them. Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed that because that's the end of it. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So all of them are just going to be like, his name Although, is... by a certain token, you could say all of the rest of them are in the same grouping. <laughs> oh, my God. Because um, I was thinking, you could go like, okay, I'm going to draw inspiration from Egyptian gods, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to draw inspiration from tarot, and then you draw inspiration from, like, Norse mythology, or, mm. like, Greek myth, or anything like that. Nope. Like, <sighs> okay. Well, all right. Reason the third. Yep. This one only counts when you're viewing it as this trilogy, and okay. I think, despite the fact that I'm critical of it in that view, I think when you view Jojo as the greater whole... Mm -hmm. It kind of fades into, oh, there's more. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, which is the fact that they're introducing the new concept of stands in the final phase of yeah. what was intended to be the time as a, a trilogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's because when you reach the point of, oh, yeah, Hamon does everything. It's like, okay, but we're not yeah, resetting. I, I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, mm. I think Hamon had its flaws. And I think that stands overall yeah. end up being a stronger storytelling lever. But if it was just these three... And then it was like, oh, yep, yep, new powers. We're doing this now. You're like, uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, if it was just this trilogy, that would make a lot of sense. But, but when you view Jojo as a whole, I think it's worth that initial, like... Breaking Awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem feels like he started off with Hamon and then went, okay, so now I've just fucked it up. I need something a bit, like... I'm getting a bit bored of martial arts. Yeah, you need something a bit harder, where it's like, here are the rules that I go by... What's the fridge Except logic? Except for when I break them. Yeah, it's like you need the fridge logic to, like, keep you humble, you know? Sure. So it's like you have a fridge, but within the fridge you always have to have, like, a compressor. And, like, it has to be plugged in somewhere. Where is it plugged in? And so it's like all these other things that emerge from, oh, he can stop time. But how long can he stop time for? Like, all those other things. So it keeps you balanced as opposed to, I have Hamon. I'm going to punch you, but I'm going to superpower it. It's like, cool. What's the weakness? I don't think you heard me. <laughs> I have hum on. I'm going to punch you. And it's going to be super I suppose powerful. it says a lot, that a lot of, towards the latter, latter part of the Hamon era, hmm. uh, a lot of the resolutions really only had it involved as a byproduct and it was more focused on Joseph yeah. doing crazy junk. Well, that's why I like part two is because the logic was so, like, tricksy. Yeah. So it went from, you know what? I have the power of friendship and all this shit in my fist, which is fiery. Which to, I liked in its simplicity. Yeah, to, okay, I put you in a situation, then the Hamon will kill you. Yeah. Right? But now it's like, yeah, well, stands. it's, yeah, it's a bit, like, sure. it's the same trickiness of part two, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know, different Beyblades, different things. Reason the fourth. Oh, God, there's more reasons? This might be the last one, unless I think of another. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Particularly, this is similar to that, the, um previous one in that it's about format transitions and stuff yeah although you have a lot of fun with it i am a little dismayed but and they sort of soften it in future i just i just like giving the reasons before i give my reasoning <laughs> so that people can listen and know what i'm talking about um i dislike the introduction at the beginning of the sort of monster of the week format mm. compared to the sort of more serialized nature one thing flows into the next of parts one yeah. and two and i think the restrictions on that 
get a bit looser over the course of the story yeah. um, and going forward from here. Yeah, but no. at the beginning, certainly, where it was like, this episode, we're fighting Dark Blue Moon. This episode, we're fighting Strength. Um, mm. No, it does feel a bit like every week he was like, what's a new power I can play with? Yeah, the, the actual events you're watching start to seem a little less consequential. Mm. And even though there are some very nice miniature arcs within those episodes, say Polnareff's whole biz yeah. and Avdol dying and everything. Yeah. The meta narrative is a bit weaker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. But it's still very entertaining to watch, but compared... To, I, I, I've said this several times, but I feel like the first two parts are just so tight in their storytelling and mm. it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system to move away from that at yeah. first. No, I remember like... Because the first two you watch, you're like, holy fucking shit, yes, this is great. And then the next one is like, cool, so now we just have a battle. And you're like... It doesn't really go anywhere that fast other than we're eventually going to reach Egypt. And, and people will tell you it's more about the journey than the destination. Don't get me wrong, I love that journey. Yeah. But compared to the, the um, narrative structure that came before, it just mm. seems like a setback initially. Yeah. It's a bit of like... It does feel as though like they, they do have the whole Monster of the Week thing mm -hmm. and they're going to Egypt, but the Monster of the Week thing is very much overpowering the getting to Egypt yeah. bit. Like, every week they're like, so we're heading here, we're eventually going to get to Egypt, and you're like, oh my Particularly god. Particularly for someone like me who doesn't have an especially strong grasp of geography. Yeah. Um, just being like, we're, we're in this place now doesn't really give me a great idea of progress, just because I, I've, mm. I have trouble picturing just in my mind um, locations of countries on, on a map. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think if there was, like, a smaller distance to travel, and then when they got there it was more like, okay. Well, I feel like that's what they do a bit better in the second half, traveling through Egypt. Yeah, yeah. I think that was also more enjoyable because it was less stand users just popping up. Yeah, and know? I think also they start to loosen the Monster of the Week format a bit there. You have mm. things like um, the Mariah and Alessi fights, although oh. we're not going to talk about Alessi, oh. um, happening at basically the same time. And oh, it's so good. Then, so of course, good. everything from... Derby. Well, yes, uh, everything from there on is great. <laughs> um, but basically everything that happens from Pet Shop onwards is again sort of more like one continuous thing yeah yeah it's good um but the problem is that like reaching that point you just didn't feel like you were getting anywhere yeah whereas in the other parts you were like okay we're gonna do this thing the fight might last like three things cliffhanger into the next one yeah but then it's that always awesome like... moment where zapelli is like is tonight the night where i go to my death walk forward to be continued roundabout do 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 etc yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah, I'd agree with that. That's the other thing, I guess, that, um, <laughs> this is the same point, okay. that there are exceptions, of course, say, um, the Vanilla Ice cliffhanger, yeah. um, when switching to a Monster of the Week format, particularly before we got to the, um, these two-parters and such, mm. we lose out on those amazing cliffhangers a lot. Mmm, you kind of end with Yare Yare a lot. Yeah, or Jun Jun. Like, Ta-da! Because, oh. like, you know, like, someone would tell a joke and then Jodoro would look at the camera and be like, g'day, mates. <laughs> How you going? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. yeah. Fair criticisms. That, that said, given my criticisms of part three, I feel like it has probably the strongest supporting villain roster to date. Supporting villain. You know, your whole horses, your Enyas, ah. particularly your larger ones like them. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the main villain? Dio's good. Wow, that's all. That's it. Just well, again, I feel like his personal relationship with Jonathan is a stronger example. Mm. Though I would probably, if I were, if I had to put them in preference, I would put part three Dio over Cars. Yeah. Because he's got that he's got that weight of legacy and stuff. And he's much more of an asshole. Yeah, he's more entertaining to watch. Cars in personality can be a bit bland. Cars literally was like, I'm the ultimate being, it's like Though cool. he does have bursts of personality, like when he um avoids falling on those flowers and then starts maniacally laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cars. You fool. Yeah, no, I think um 
You're very right about the whole, like, weaker sort of villains in part two. Because they feel like they're so monolithic. Yeah. And so, like, godlike. Mm-hmm. That you don't get the fun Dio being like, Ha ha, you idiot! Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the, the equivalent to them in part one would be, like, Tarkus and Bruford, who basically just show up and are dispatched. Yeah. Which is a shame. Though I did enjoy the history lesson. <laughs> um, and I guess having a character around, like, whole horse in that mm. would be, like, if if Jack the Ripper kept coming back after that initial battle or oh, something. Oh, man, that'd Although be I suppose funny. Wang Chung comes back a few times. Yeah, but Wang Chung doesn't do anything. That's true. He just sits in the back being like, I shall do it for you, my lord. And yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, uh, part four. Do I have anything else to say about previous parts? Do you have any preferences out of the three? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, well... I feel like part three was more satisfying. Okay, so I like all three for different reasons. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons, clearly. Because part one is like, yeah, there's this cool guy. It's a great narrative. He is an asshole. And it's just like nice to watch and be like, cool. Part two is the Joseph Joestar show. Yeah. you're like, well, he's going to win. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's how, Joseph Joestar. Yeah. And it's just fun to see how he wins because you're like, but how can he win? Yeah. Uh, and then part three was good because it's like this nice twist on the same logical kind of thinking that's been going through all the other parts Mm -hmm. but i think part three is probably my favorite because stands are just such an inventive way of yeah that's fair doing combat like in part two by the end you're like and then Hamon, yes then Hamon, and then he's got you know lighter fluid in his pocket yeah and you're like okay all right yep it's fun but at the same time (laughs) they do a good job of establishing establishing joseph as having just all sorts of tricks basically having whatever he needs on hand and, like, and it feeling earned. Like a but, Tommy gun. But when, if you take a step back, because like, I think they start with the most audacious example. Yeah. Um, but when you take a step back, you'll, you do start to realise like, oh, I mean, he can basically have whatever he wants on him at any given time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that after a while, you kind of sit there going, okay, but then Joseph Joestar can do anything, which is fun, but not as satisfying as in part three, where they're like, this is my stand. I feel like they this do a good job in the um, the Wamu battle of counteracting mm. that, where he's still being very inventive with what he has at his disposal. But I'm pretty sure that everything he uses in that fight is something that he obtains during it or you have previously yeah. seen him obtain. Yeah, pretty much. Which is good. Yeah, that to me, that... the Gosh, the whammy battle is <laughs> maybe one of the best parts of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure as a whole. Ooh. Just in the way... Like, it's it's a longer fight than you see in Jojo typically, which mm. um, isn't always a good thing, but I feel like it's very well executed. Yeah. Like, cause one of the things I do like about Jojo is that the, the battles tend to be relatively brief. Yeah, We're not dealing with, good. you know... 100 years of Goku fighting Frieza. Oh, but sometimes um, that's enjoyable. <laughs> he has to earn those screams. Yeah. Yet, just the way that the, the flow of who's in command in, of the situation, mm. that battle keeps shifting, uh, the way that Joseph is physically outmatched almost all the time in it, mm. but still manages to sort of, like, they blow by blow break each other down. Yeah. It's very Mad Max Fury Road, where, like, Max in that film is never on top. Like, someone is always like, hey, um... I need your blood. He's like, oh, really? You need my blood? It's like, yeah, I need your blood. Okay, all right. And then later it's like, hey, can I use you as like a tripod? He's like, really? <laughs> a tripod? And then later he's like, hey, so um, can you just get on top and fight them? He's like, but I'm already debilitated. <laughs> you know, it's like that with Joseph because he's always outmatched because this guy is superior. And then he's like, well, I'm on a wall and I'm going to die. How can I cheat? How can I get out of this? <laughs> Great, okay, so our last thing, bef- unless you have anything else, before we move on to the future, um, I just want to muse a bit about the, the role of women in the show to date. 
how there's none. That is a significant full portion of it. Ugh, it angers me. It I angers me I feel like greatly. through parts, over the course of parts one and two, you take some steps in the right direction. Yep. Um, obviously, Arena's a bit of a blank slate and Poco's sister is basically sassier Arena. Yep. But that's a step in the right direction, I guess. And yep. then... Lisa Lisa is underutilized well, of, 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 Old Lady Arena is, I think, also a bit more... Um, Fun. Well, a bit more... Of a character than Young Arena because mm. she's got she's got she's got a distinct personality. She's given sort of um, status and gravitas in a way that she wasn't before, and she's very like sassy now. I do oh mm. I do like Arena's role in you know washing her lips in the mud and being kissed by Dio, yeah. and also the stuff that's happening on the boat. She's she's very good in that, but I just wish there was anything between there. Because, mm. mm. <laughs> like, in part three... She nurses Jonathan back to health, but that's mostly off-screen. I mean, the ridiculous thing is, all of these guys... This is one of the fun things about it, is that all these guys are jacked. Yeah. Like, it's not even remotely, like, oh, there should be more women because, you know, we want good representation. It's like... Well, it is that, too. I mean, it's that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, so we've got Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and all these other 80s ridiculous action guys... Just fighting. Like, sometimes it's just fun to be like, this is nonsense. I want more of it. So what what bothers me? I mean, there's no realistic kind of representation of women in the show. No. Well, what, no? what bothers me mm-hmm. is that with Lisa Lisa, obviously she's underutilised, but she's really cool. Yep. Um, and we had those authors notes from Araki being like, it was through Lisa Lisa that I began to realise that, like, someone's physical stature doesn't really restrict them from participating in my fictional battles. Mm. And he says, that was one of the seeds of the ideas that led me to develop stands. Then in the first <laughs> first story involving stands, there are two women, two women, two non-villainous women. Yep. Um, one of whom is sickly. Yep. The whole time. And the other whom is a child who never gets a name. <laughs> Wait, a child that never gets a name. Oh, right. And what about mean, Susie Q? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, but yeah. She's even less of a character in part three than in part two, I would say. Oh, all right, fine. Um, and it just seems weird to me that if he's taking this... Obviously, they're having the female villains like Enya mm-hmm. and Mariah mm. and Midler. Midler? Uh, High Priestess. What did it do? Uh, it it was in the submarine. Ah, yes, that's right. And I guess the um, the Empress too. Sure. Um that's a step in the right direction still, mm. particularly for Enya, who is more of a recurring character yeah. and has she's like a, a has a not insignificant role in the story. Yeah, she's yeah, exactly. a player. If you recall, she's also uh, Jay Giles' mother. Is she? Yeah. Oh, centerfold. Oh, that's right. Because then she went crazy and was all like, "No." Yeah. So I feel like she is a, she's a very palpable step in the right direction on from um, Lisa Lisa, particularly given that not only is she a woman, which I guess is a little more radical in that time, mm. but also. A frail old woman, but she's a very fearsome opponent, if yeah. you recall. Yeah. I just feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity to not have someone like that on the protagonist team, even yeah. temporarily. Well, that's the thing, is that it's five guys. So it's like the guys doing the guy things. Yeah. And we wouldn't have gotten that excellent moment where they're at that bar. And they're like, <laughs> four iced teas. Yeah. I think, yeah, I just feel like, why is Anne even in the story? <laughs> Make her a stand user for a brief time or something, and then she yeah. still leaves. Or, or explain how stands came to be. let her do anything, or don't put her in the story. Yeah. It's kind of... It's another one of those little mini-arcs, but it just doesn't have any impact on anything outside yeah. of we keep running into this girl. 
It's also a bit of a shit arc. <laughs> yeah, because nothing... Ha- it doesn't yeah. do anything. It just sort of feels like all the... I mean, one of the ways you can always get around it is you just go, okay, so I've written this guy up and he has this thing. Mm-hmm. It's a lady now. <laughs> we did character creation for an RPG recently called Spirit of the Century, which yes. is a pulp RPG. Mm-hmm. And in one of the books that we were using for that, one of the box outs talked about how it m- might have been in the 90s, I can't remember the era, one particular editor of a line of X-Men comics ended up with a much more diverse roster than was typical for the time because when people brought him a new character, he just he'd look at it and say... But what if it was a woman? Mm. I mean, that's kind of it, isn't it? Like, yeah. You always end up There's thinking. In no your reason, own... say, I don't know, Avdol has to be a guy or yeah. Kakuin or Polnareff. Mm. No, I think it's always interesting because whenever I try writing anything, where well, we are going somewhere with this. Whenever I try writing anything, I always think, oh, yeah, like, of course, it's going to be like a guy. Yeah. But that's because I'm also a guy. So all I would need to do is go, so it's a lady. Well, mm. it's the same. Gotcha. So I feel like, to summarize. Yep. Over the course of the series to this point, it's taking steps in the right direction. Mm. And obviously it's from 30 years ago. Um, the other thing is just like physically it's intimidating to see a giant jacked guy. Yeah. Just be all like, hey, what up? <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. obviously it's like from 30 years ago and, mm. you know, these concerns weren't so in the forefront of everyone's minds then. Yeah. Uh, and I think over the course of the next few parts, it does continue to take more steps in the right direction, though right. with some... I, I'm not in, I'm not uncritical of those myself, though. Okay. But, you know, you can be critical of something and still think it's kicking rad. Uh, can you, Liam? I certainly can. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so what I'm saying is it, it's... <laughs> it, it's it's, getting in, it's improving on this metric slowly. Yeah, okay. I still think Josuke's going to be a dude, though. <laughs> it is a dude's name. Yes! <laughs> It's like the Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. I don't really have a firm conclusion on this point. I just, okay. I, mean, I just think it's interesting. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you know, it's changing times, changing yeah. values, all that stuff. And it's also a Japanese manga where back in those days, if you were working as a lady, that was probably quite... Yeah. Like, yeah. Although that was probably the most racist thing I've ever said on this show. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows what's going on in the 80s, man? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a, a fatal flaw of the series, but I mm. think it's something that's interesting to discuss. Hmm. Hmm. Now, moving forward. Moving forward. Okay. Moving on to part four, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. What does it mean? So we've talked about how you are aware that from this point forward, for this next story, Mm. it's a bit more sort of low scale. It's a bit more intimate. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, Typical, start off with our typical prediction segment questions, I think. Okay. First of all, I want to know what you think the overarching arc is going to be. And then within that, I want to know... So, for example, in part three, it was get to Egypt, kill Dio. Yep. And I want to know what you think the sort of individual episode plots could be like, where in part three it was like, we arrive in a new place, new stand user is there and wants to battle us. (sighs) Okay. All right. What the thing... Well, if it's much more intimate... I have heard, possibly from you, I think, Mm -hmm. that it's like a high school drama kind of thing. It's like a 90s drama thing. No world-ending threats, but just like a high school thing. I imagine it's going to be like Persona, is what I'm saying. Ah, the evil student council president. (laughs) So there's going to be some kind of, maybe like a hidden threat? Or a, a side thing that's going on that they're like, yep, so... Like in Persona, where you have, say, like the Midnight Channel or... The, the other, Phantom Thieves. The Phantom Thieves, or stuff like that, where it's not necessarily pressing in the real world, but it's definitely happening to these guys. Right. 
Or like round the twist, where it's like it's not a world-ending like, threat. Hang on a minute! It's not a world-ending threat. Round the twist in an Australian <laughs> children's television show. I think based on books by Morris Gleitzman. Morris Gleitzman wrote books. Yes. He was the actor in Round the Twist. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he's the dad. Fact check. He's a beloved actor, isn't he? Oh, maybe not. Hang on, was it Morris Gleitzman or the other guy? Let me check. Morris Gleitzman, other guy. Anyway, that Google has established that he was not the actor in it Round the Twist. It was not twist. Morris Gleitzman. <laughs> Paul Jennings, sorry. I find their work fairly uh, interchangeable because I think they've collaborated on a few things. Right, gotcha. Um, Australian children's television program based around the writings of Paul Jennings. Yep. Uh, about three siblings and their father and later stepmom mm-hmm. who lived in a lighthouse and had vaguely supernatural adventures in their local town. Some fun, some disturbing. Like, yes. Like getting pregnant with a cabbage child and or um, a cabbage child. going on an adventure in the woods where there were these mushrooms that would shapeshift into looking like objects or people and then if you touched them would cover you in orange goo. Mm. Nothing bad came from that. It was just gross. Yeah. So I'm thinking something more along the lines of that where it's not world ending, but it's happening to these guys. Right. So, hmm. I mean, it's... So it's going to be something more along the lines of Persona where, hey guys, we've got to stop this thing from happening mm. or something like that. Maybe like, I don't know, some guy's lease is going to get fucked. we got to save the community centre. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, hey, we got to save like our friend because he's in danger from like this weird supernatural thing that's mm-hmm. happening. So let's go and find out how we do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that the overall thing? Or... I think so. Okay, I and think... then episodically, what sort of stuff will we be looking at? Well, I mean, it's... I do know there's a radio station. I know this. Oh, yes, because... um. I sent Nick some drops for the next theme music. And one of them was the intro to the Mario Cho radio. So I know that's a thing. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's all I know about it. Right. Um, so maybe like one episode they'll go explore a radio station on a field trip or something. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe like every episode or every few episodes they'd start off with like, Good morning, everyone. Here's what's happening in the small town of whatever. Yeah, status reports. Yeah, pretty much. And then it would get more and more sinister over the course of the part as things are coming to a head. Or it's like there are clues inside everything that everyone's like, and this totally normal thing is happening. And then Josuke's like, what? A clue? Oh my God. Um, Cool. Yeah, so then that would be like a little, not necessarily mystery detective, but certainly like a paranormal mystery detective, like a Dresden Files kind of thing where... You know, over the course of this thing, you go, oh, so this is what this is. It's a supernatural thing that did it. Now we have to find the next clue. Right, okay. So basically what I'm saying is it is a detective thing. Sure. Cool, okay. <sighs> but with high school drama. So I want to. I just want to highlight for you a couple of the... Um, the themes. Without giving any plot events away, some of the themes of the parts, things to look out for. Okay. Um, just to sort of give you a good grounding for, to be prepared for what's to come. To wet my whistle. The first thing you should be aware of is everyone's about to get a lot less buff. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Are you? No. No. Hang on a minute. This was a manly show for manly men to the point of ridiculousness. So what happened with the manga, and I'll show you some pictures of this as we go into the story. Was was this From, the, from probably the next few weeks was onwards. Was this the first part? I hear that after part three, it becomes a lot more quote unquote mature. And so you end up with themes that are a lot... Mm, I wouldn't say so. Easy. Okay, all right. I was just thinking, like, maybe it's more serious, and then it was like, okay, It's certainly to... not more serious. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Um, no, over the course of the part four manga, mm-hmm. Araki's art style in the manga started to change more significantly than it had to date, mm. um, such that although it began with your typical big buff dudes, mm. by the end of it, uh, everyone's a lot more slender, sort of supermodel fit. 
So like modern day model as opposed to Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. in a yeah okay. So rather than doing that gradual evolution over the course of the manga uh, in the anime, yeah, they, they just, just start. started with the end result. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that makes sense if it's more intimate and not world ending. That and if it's like a high school, yeah, it's yeah. it's not going to be like Cromartie High. No, just these Freddie Mercury's walking <laughs> around. I mean that is quite exciting though. Yeah, because that brings up far more fashion than. Uh, previous parts yeah um we, we are uh, is that gonna be a theme is that gonna be a theme mm. is fashion gonna be a theme mm. you're wearing that to the school ball. i mean i think everything's been pretty crazy fashion in jojo to date true true and i think i don't necessarily think that a couple of exceptions aside it takes things to the next level in that regard mm. but it does put a new it's a bit of a twist it's, it's a new take on that sort of thing i would mm. say within a, an interesting framework okay but I, I we'll talk about that in, as it comes up. Yeah. Um. The thing that I keep circling back to and trying to say, but we're getting sidetracked. Yep. Is there are a couple of key themes that I want to prep you to sort of look out for? Okay. Um. That are going to recur throughout basically the entirety of the story. Right. The first one is the idea that um I guess a, a person's super superficial appearances aren't necessarily a good indicator of their character. I, I suppose the phrase you'd use is something like you can't judge a book by its cover. Sure. Okay. That is maybe, it would be probably the most significant theme of it, if not for this second <laughs> equally or more significant theme. Stands are awesome. No, that's a pretty good theme, <laughs> which is that um, being an active part of your community and working to put positive energy into it both improves you as a person and improves the community. Right. I would say they are the two key themes of part four. Is it just going to be like a normal life of this kid who just so happens to have Stan powers to help him out? And then the other like main villain is this guy that's like, hey, buddy, guess what? How about your hot dog stand falls over? <gasps> I'm not going to say no, <laughs> but that's not quite right. Oh, God damn it. Oh. <laughs> uh, I could just imagine, like, a new Dio, but on a much smaller scale. Oh, I'm just imagining this isn't the case, but I'm just imagining an alternate reality where the villain of part four is, like, a, a crooked land developer who wants to, like, knock down the community centre and build a parking lot. He would have gotten away with it, too, yeah. if one of you meddling stands. Because based on what I've said, I could very much see that being the case. Do you reckon it's like, we need to redevelop this land, Jotaro? It's like, what? What are you talking about? I'm an old man now. It's like, no, Jotaro, we need to redevelop this land. You know, I could just punch you to death. <laughs> Whoa. Positive energy. And yeah, within the framework of those two sort of themes, mm. we get it's kind of, it's almost like if Araki wrote a David Lynch thing. You know, like there's secrets behind those white picket fences in this, sure. this seemingly idyllic community. Okay. All right. So that's what I want you to be prepped for. So is it a bit like a Twin Peaksy kind of vibe? I'm not going to go as far to say it's like Twin Peaks, oh. but I would say it's the most like Twin Peaks <laughs> of the JoJo parts. <laughs> okay, so small town, lots of secrets, plenty of murder. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What the fuck? Because <laughs> after all of these, I'm like, how the fuck can we go from, like, you know, Dio and Cars and more Dio <laughs> to David Lynch-esque Twin Peaks meets small village thing. Yeah, meets Smallville. <laughs> meets Smallville, yeah. Interesting. Okay. 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 I think that basically covers the crux of what I wanted to talk about. Um, do you have any other observances regarding the past th three stories or um, questions about 
what's to come, though I may not answer all of them. Is Dio dead for real? Oh, he might not be dead. Oh, he is. Oh, okay, all right. I thought, well, he is dust now, so. Yeah, they left him out in the sun. Mm, mm, they did. Shame. I suppose that's an interesting point and doesn't really give too much away. Mm. Um, so previously in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, mm-hmm. I would say that, and have talked about how the crux of the story is the conflict that stems from Jonathan's feud with Dio. Yep. So, like, the lineage of, oh, this guy was an asshole, but he yeah. keeps coming and back. And then, obviously, part two contextualises that and yep. is about sort of the Joe Star curse, which can be traced back to that feud for the fa- that family mm. and the wider context it exists in. Then part three is, of course, the resolution of that feud yep. after its resurgence. From this point on, the story sort of becomes more about the... Because there's no, there's no having, vampires having, now. Yeah, having resolved Dio, the problem of Dio. Yeah. How, how do you solve a problem like Dio? <laughs> you kick him in the chin till his head explodes and then leave him out to dry. Um, <sighs> it starts to become more about, the, I guess, the ripples of the, um, okay. of the Joestar Dio feud now that it has finished, the remaining shockwaves, the damage that has been done. Right. I see. So does that mean that Josuke isn't Jotaro's son? No, oh, I'm not allowed to know. God damn it. I'm not going to tell you God damn it. whether or not slash if and how. He, he is a part of the Joestar bloodline. He's on yeah. the family tree. Right. Um, but it's this is now dealing with other stuff. Yeah. That isn't necessarily to Vampires do with... are obsolete. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. But hmm. Okay. All right. Just trying to think of like another threat. But obviously we have stands now, so it could be fucking anything. <laughs> could be Centifold. <gasps> it could be Polnareff. Dark Polnareff. He's back, and this time he's still possessed by Anubis. <laughs> he's meatier than ever, but only because he's been working out. So yep. my final question for you, Nick. Um, yep. Even though we've kind of been talking about this in a roundabout way the whole time, mm-hmm. just so we can explicitly fulfil our ob- uh, ob- obligation to our patrons. <laughs> sure. Yep. What is it that you really like about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? What drew, other than me asking you to do this podcast, <laughs> what draws you to it? Okay, so there's a few reasons, right? Number one was that... Okay, so the first... Here's a brief history of how I learned about JoJo's. So, a couple years ago, I was sitting in my house and my friend was like, Yo, Nick, have you ever heard of this show called JoJo's Without Adventure? And I was like, I've heard mentions of it here and there. Like, um, there's a guy, Octopimp, who loves that show when I was watching. Like, <laughs> you were making some weird reference to some character. I was like, <laughs> who could you be talking about? <laughs> No, he's like a YouTuber guy who does like a whole bunch of dub things that I was like, oh, there's the thing. And I, I remember hearing him talking on like something. I can't remember what, but something about this weird show called Jojo's Adventure that is extremely Japanese. That's been going for 20 plus years and is still good. And I went, what the fuck? So I looked it up and I was like, ah, oh, well, this looks interesting enough. It has an anime. So I watched like the first 12 or so. I don't think it was the first 12 or so. You didn't finish part one. No, I did because then oh. I, I broke off in part two. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, man, this is... Mm, yeah, it seems fine. The problem was that at the time I was like, I have all this other stuff that I want to do instead. So I knew that it was fine, but then I got bored of it because I was like, eh, it's not really going anywhere right now. I'll come back to it at some point. And they never did. That Dio fella's dead. This all seems to be nicely wrapped up. Yeah, so I quite liked... I think what it, the problem was at the time was that because I wasn't looking at every single episode, I was like, oh, well, it's all just a blur now because so much is going on. Right. And it was all so like, at the time I was probably less open to ill sincerity, where I was like, this is so dumb. I want more. Whereas now I'm like, 
Just, I am happy being dumb. I think this show is nothing if not entirely sincere in everything it does. <laughs> but, like, it's so on the nose that you kind of go, this is really dumb. Yeah. I'm okay with it, <laughs> you know? But at the time, I was probably more like, oh, God, give me my, like, thinly veiled things. Yeah. Why know? isn't anyone winking at the camera? Exactly. Where's Ferris Bueller? Except for when, of course, they turn to the camera and wink yeah. to end an episode. <laughs> so... I think I was less open to that at the time, but now that I'm older, I'm like, man, media doesn't have to be like hella grimdark. Yeah. Uh, which is very strange to me that I think this way now. But yeah, after a while, you came to me and were like, hey, have you heard of this thing? I'm like, I've seen a bit of it. Wouldn't mind actually getting through. And then you were like, oh, by the way, just to keep you entertained, there's this one scene with a talking dog <laughs> fighting a talking bird. And I was like- The bird doesn't talk. Or just like this bird. You lent me the scene where it's like, I'm stuck underwater, but he know I know he's out there. And I was like- and now you know the rest of the story. Literally. For my money, hmm. um, having been a... I didn't even answer the question. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, you answered what drew you to it. Yeah, but I didn't answer what I like uh, about what it. What do you like about it? I like the fact that it's very, like, the battles don't take that long, but it's very logic-y, trickster-based, you know? Sure, yeah. So it's not like I'm more powerful than you. It's, oh, I'm obviously weaker than you. Uh, the tables are in my favour at the moment. But, but how do I... turn at any time. Exactly. So it's like, how do I beat you... If you are very obviously the superior being. Oh, I know. I'll trick you. Yeah. It's not cheating if you're not caught, you know? Darby. That and the fact that 1988. it's... 1988. The poses and the ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous aesthetic. So that's what really... I, I was, you know, a high school anime nerd, but I never really delved into JoJo. Ooh. Um, but then one day, a couple of years back, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shame myself and my family. I'm going to watch an anime. I'm going to check out that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that I never checked out. Um, and then I watched the first episode and I was, I was so taken by the sort of heightened physicality, fashion and mm. presentation with the colour shifts and everything mm. of the show that I was just utterly charmed by. And I, I learned to look past some of the sort of very anime-esque things. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, do, I do delight in the sort of ridiculous melodrama of a mm. lot of it, mm. particularly with that in, in those early episodes where it's comparatively more grounded. <laughs> Dio and Jojo's stupid feud. Dio being like, oh, yes, Jojo, I've got you now. I'll drive my right thumb into your eye. <laughs> It's just like every single move has to be precisely yes. made. Oh. Dio, Jojo casually picking up Dio and throwing him over the banister because <laughs> he's been poisoning their dad. Oh. It's just like a, a really stupid, heightened it's Downton like, Abbey. It's like an opera version of an opera. Where like in opera, everything's Let's so... Let's unpack over that statement. Like in an opera, everything is already over the top where it's like... My father that I loved from the very day he was born, 1973, at 12 p.m. precisely, yeah. he was born. And you're like, this it's like song a spoken is... word opera. Yeah, it's like, this is going on for a very long time, but this is ridiculous. Keep going. But, like, there's no opera. Yeah. And yet it's more over the top. But, like, at the same time... I appreciate oh. that it is being at once... Ludicrous. And, but at the same time... Sincere and wholesome. Taking itself so seriously. <laughs> but... I think it's very easy to miss the mark on that and just be utterly eye-rolling. Mm, but mm. it manages to thread that needle in a way I find so charming. Yeah. Even part two, when you watch it, you're like, this is so dumb, but I want more. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Great. That's, Jojo. It's pretty fucking good. A good, healthy, balanced breakfast worth of Joe never went astray. So, all right, shall we wrap it up? Sure. We're gonna take next week off just to recharge our batteries before the journey to come. Just putting it out there, part three was a fucking journey. So it was. 
literally <gasps> and metaphorically. Huh. But we'll be back the week after with episode 75 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. First episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure part four, Diamond is Unbreakable. You are really hype. <laughs> Until then, if you want to tell us anything about it, want to give us some things to chat about about that first episode, you can reach me at Twitter at JoJo's Podcast or... Uh, Aura. <laughs> no, we're over this part. Oh, Jesus. Uh, or Gmail at Jojo's Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us a little bit of support, uh, financially speaking, you can find us at patreon.com slash Jojo's World. Or if you'd like to give us a bit of support, socially speaking, you could review us on one of the various platforms. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, yep. fucking. Go to whatever. our website and give us a like. I don't think that does anything, but I like seeing those numbers <laughs> go up. Or just tell a friend. Let them know that JoJo's is a ridiculous and amazing show. If you have liked the sort of freewheeling conversations that we have had this week, I would say it's representative of the general bonus episodes we do on the Patreon, yeah. where, in which we just pick a thing and then talk about it at, as our as our minds dictate. If uh, if you'd like to support us financially, you can always give to us on uh, Patreon mm-hmm. uh, to help us buy soundproofing. By software. So the um the five dollar a month level does get you a monthly bonus episode where we have conversations like this about other media. We've previously done Yu-Gi-Oh, Star Wars, and role-playing games. The next one is probably going to be Metal Gear. It's shaping up to be that way. Uh, if you donate ten dollars or more, you can influence what the bonus apps are. Yeah, yeah. So all this to say, you know, if you like this sort of looser structure, there are more. There's more of it out there if you're, <laughs> if if you earn it. Keep looking to the Patreon. So I guess I just have to say thanks for listening, guys. It's been a real delight doing the past three parts. Mm. No, it's been a it's been an enjoyable, bizarre adventure. Yeah, yeah. And until next time, to, to be, be continued. continued. Yeah.